Previously on AP Bio, the podcast. Okay, Eddie, did you get the questions ready for Dan's interview today? Yeah, I just finished rewatching episode 304. Eddie, Dan wrote episode 303, Gary Meets Dave. Oh, shoot. What? The, the interview is in 20 minutes. Also previously on AP Bio, the podcast. Sari, you confirmed Aparna for her segment today, right? Wait, I thought Aparna wasn't until next week. No, remember she told us she's unavailable then. No. Also previously on AP Bio, the podcast. Sari, my laptop is at 3% and I, and I can't find my charger. Oh, God. Uh, Dan, Dan just joined the Zoom call. No, he's in the waiting room. Do, do I let him in now? My computer is going to die. This isn't going to work. Dear God, Sari, Sari, help me. Sari, what do we do? We are hosed. And now, AP Bio, the podcast. Good morning, Whitlock High. Caleb here. Wait, can you guys hear me? Hello? Wait, can someone just acknowledge that I'm talking right now? No, seriously, can someone say they hear the sound of my voice resonating in their ear canal? Please? Somebody? Ugh, never mind. I'm gonna let your host take it away. But remember, grab the day by the horns. Hey guys, welcome back to AP Bio, the podcast. I'm Sari Arambolo. And I'm Eddie Levy. And today we are just going to jump right to it. Eddie, I'm so excited to talk about this episode, Gary Meets Dave. I think it's one of my favorites from the season, for sure. Absolutely. I love it. Okay, so to recap for our listeners, Jack comes in hot and accidentally loses $10,000 for Pam the Ram surgery. Victor finds the money, and we see how the AP Bio class might not be the best people to hold onto the cash, as they have definitely not graduated to the role of drug dealers quite yet. Meanwhile, Principal Durbin and Helen investigate the faculty in search of the money, resulting in an unfortunate death, an impromptu school play, and an intense social media live stream. Yes. So tell me, what do you remember about filming this episode? Uh, I don't even know where to begin, Sari. I, well, I'm going to start... <laughs> With, I remember I was on the plane from the East Coast back to LA um, right after um, the holidays, and I got this script and I read it on the plane, and I was like, whoa, like this is even on the page, you could tell that it was so unique and so special. And I, I don't think my brain could really comprehend what it would look like, but I just knew it was so different from anything we had done before on the show. And I loved that. So I was so excited to get into this. And, and it really wasn't until I saw the final cut of the episode that I realized like how brilliant it was. Um, but for me personally, um, being able to do the school play with you, which I, another lovely, Anthony and Grace moment. I, I was so excited to do that with you. It was such a highlight. Um, you know, having done a bunch of school plays in high school, it just really brought me back. Having the cool set and the audience, it, it was it was really impressive. I mean, it's a pretty short sequence in the episode, but they built a set and they had all these different costumes for all of our background actors and. It, it felt like a full production. And, you know, anytime I get to work with you was is always the best. So that was really fun. Aww, love you. Oh, that was so much fun. You have to tell our listeners about that scene 
that features you with you falling to the ground and then the the set kind of breaks. Oh, right. Because you have to tell them because that was not planned. Right. So, you know, I had to do this sort of gag where my hands are getting cut off by the top of an iceberg. And I was really nervous about it because, again, that's something that I read that in the script and I was sort of like, I don't know how this is supposed to work. And then when I got on set and our incredible props team and and everybody just did their job, I was like, oh, I got this. This is really funny. And, you know, I did it a bunch of times and there was one time where I just sort of bumped into the the iceberg in front of me. I think it was made out of... I don't know, maybe wood or something like a very light wood. And I bumped into it because I was getting so into it. And it it just kind of, I thought I broke it in half. Like I just heard this like crack (laughs) and I was like, Oh dear God. So in in, me as Eddie, not as a character said, Oh, and the audience, I was so embarrassed because everyone starts laughing. The crew's laughing. And I was just like, Oh God, this is awful. Um, And Richie Keen, our amazing director, literally said eddie i can guarantee you that's going to be on television and i was like dear (laughs) god so he even knew just then and there that that was going to be the take that they chose and what about you i feel like grace she has um some interesting wardrobe in this episode oh my gosh yes okay first of all i was obsessed with that coat (laughs) i remember showing up for a wardrobe fitting and i got to try all these glamorous amazing coats and i was like wow i really feel like i'm channeling anthony because (laughs) he just would love wearing this and usually set is very cold um when you're when it's not with all the lights on you and you're just in the holding area it's actually very cold on set so i was the happiest with my really warm coat Mm. i remember going to the table read and reading this and I had a similar experience with you Eddie where I wasn't exactly sure how this episode was going to turn out but I knew it was something special like the previously on um, theme was such a great interesting way to tackle an episode that we've never done before so I was really excited to see it play out And getting to just shoot that with the coat and then the tiara, I was, it was just so much fun. And, and yeah, Eddie, shooting that scene with you was so much fun and it's so up your alley. And I also did plays and musicals growing up. And we had said before how badly we wanted a musical episode. Um, But it was just so much fun to actually get to do that and be on stage with the audience. And it was just such an amazing, fun experience. And I got to do it with you, which was the best part. Yeah. Um, more Grace and Anthony moments to come. Definitely. (laughs) All right, everyone, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut your mouth. Shut up. Shut your mouth. Shut up. We are so excited to interview the writer of Gary Meets Dave, Dan Schofield. In addition to AP Bio, Dan has written on The Good Place, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and Monk. Please welcome Dan. Hello, Dan. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. How are you? You know, uh, the world is weird, but I'm good. <laughs> the world oh. is weird. How have you been holding up in um, the current state of the world? Uh, decently well. I don't have a lot of like personal complaints. Just sort of, you know, the big, the big macro complaints. Yeah. yeah. But well said. There's some big ones. <laughs> 
Uh, well, um, we are so happy to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day uh, um, to talk to yeah, us. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So before we begin, we always like to ask our guests, what were you like in high school? Um, I was kind of a uh, nerd in high school. I went to like a science and, uh, and math magnet school. Um, but, but everyone there was a nerd, so I didn't feel like a nerd. Um, but yeah, I was really, really into school. I didn't do AP bio, but I did do, uh, AP chemistry and organic chemistry and calculus and all that, all that nerd junk. So wait, you did O-chem in like high school as a kid? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What? (laughs) And yeah. And it's obviously serving me very well in my current, uh, work as a comedy writer, so. (laughs) I would actually love to hear a little bit more about your background in writing. Did you know from an early age that writing was something that you wanted to do? Or what was your journey into this as a career? Kind kind of, not exactly. Like I'd always enjoyed sort of uh, creative pursuits as a kid. Um, I had a friend that I made lots of like claymation movies with, and I loved to draw. And for a long time, I thought I was going to be a cartoonist. And as I got older, I sort of thought that maybe I wanted to be a movie director. And then I thought that maybe I wanted to be a movie writer. And then I, I discovered what TV writing was, was about and that it's so collaborative and so much fun. And, and I realized then that I, that I wanted to be in a room. I wanted to work with other people. I didn't want to, you know, just be alone at a desk. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed being a TV writer. It's, it's really um, satisfying and, and uh it really allows you to be creative in a very interesting way because you get to, you know, you get to do the work on the page, but you also get to go to set and and see it all come together. So it's, uh, it's so fun. I, it's, uh, it's really like a dream come true to be able to, to have it be my job. I also saw when doing research on you that you worked for some game shows and I would love to hear what that world was like. Yeah. So I, yeah, when I came out of college, I knew that I wanted to try and work in TV and, um, one of the first things that I did was working for game shows and that just the way that the business works, like that's who I knew. So that's who I knew to get other jobs from. And for a long time, I worked for a lot of different game shows, including I worked for several years for who wants to be a millionaire, um, which was a lot of fun. Uh, But I did all kinds of game shows. I did pop culture game shows and uh, sports game shows and, you know, a little bit of everything. And I also did some, I wrote some kids cartoons. Uh, I, I wrote for a, live sports show for a while. I did comedy shows. And then eventually I got a little closer to my, you know, my eventual goal, which was scripted comedy. And that's That's where I hope. Very versatile though. All those different mediums. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, going off of that, I'd actually love to know, obviously there's so many differences between a game show and writing for that and writing for a half hour comedy. But what would you say are some of the similarities? Wow. That's, that's an interesting question. I mean, they're very, they're very different kinds of writing, but like one of the, one thing that they do have in common is just like the, the importance of, of the right word, like the correctly chosen word, Mm -hmm. um, you know, game show questions are often have to be really, really brief, but they have to, you know, they have to be very exact. They have to have one answer and only one answer. And it's, you'd be surprised. I mean, probably you wouldn't be surprised because you're actors and you know this, but like how much difference one word can make in a joke, you know, one extra word or or cutting out one word or the choice of one synonym over another. Um, Just taking that level of care, like on the level of individual words is, is something that the, 
that both kinds of writing have, have in common. You know? Oh, that's so interesting. Wow, yeah. I actually think that's a, a huge misconception people have. I mean, obviously on our show, AP Bio, we have some incredible improvisers, especially, you know, Pat and Gene and Lyric um, and everybody. But, you know, the words are so important. And I think that people think, oh, we're just improving all day, every day. And I'm like, no, there might be like one or two moments that end up in a final take that are improvised. But like the words are really our guide. And having started writing myself, I really have started to see how important every word can be in a script. Um, so that's really cool. Um, so also continuing with our research about you. Um, so after you did some game shows, you worked on a little show called The Good Place. I did, yeah. I would like to take this opportunity to say <laughs> that I am a huge fan of the show. Oh, thank you. Um, and yeah, it's it's fantastic. I actually got... My foray into the show was I was at USC and I took a TV symposium, like a, a film class, basically, where we get to watch shows and writers and exec producers come in. And so we had The Good Place uh, for one week. And we didn't start at the beginning, which was an awful idea because <laughs> it was such a spoiler, especially yeah. with that show. Yeah. Um, but I watched Chidi Sees the Time Knife. And I remember being so mind blown by what I was watching <laughs> without any context, yeah. first of all. But then, of course, after I watched the episode, I had to go back and watch the whole thing. Yeah, um, if, if any podcast listeners at home have have not watched and are considering it, please start at the beginning. It, uh, yeah, don't, don't start in the middle. <laughs> Helps a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's honestly a, such an amazing show. And um, I still like quote it sometimes and like. I love Janet and I still quote Janet from time to time. Anyway, I could go on about this forever. That was such a great show. I had such a great experience there. I was there for, for all four seasons and it really, uh, Mike Schur, who created that show and, and ran that show, taught me so much about just what the job of being a comedy writer is and, and how to do it. And, um, and uh, I, re I really owe him so much. It was a great experience uh, in so many ways. Oh, that, that's awesome. I love I loved The Good Place because you guys were able to take, obviously it's a comedy, but there are actually very philosophical questions in there as well as you really get to the heart of these characters and you feel for them. Like I cried, I think, watching one of the episodes I watched in that TV symposium with no context. Um, <laughs> so the fact that that happened, I think you know which episode it was because it was in that season. But um, anyway, going off of what you said, Mike Schur, speaking of him, he actually was able to give some advice to our showrunner, Mike O'Brien, which was really awesome. Mike was telling us that he gave some really great advice regarding being a showrunner. Um, so it's also great to see that he was such a, a, gu a guiding light for you as well. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, like such a smart guy and so generous with his time and generous with helping other people. And it's, I, I mean, Mike O'Brien is the same way. Mike O'Brien is great to work for because he just, you know, he, he's not a person, neither of them are people who, you know, try to intimidate you or like use their power over you. They just want to get the best out of everybody that they have around them. And it's a really, it's a really nice way to work. And uh, I guess I owe Mike sure another thank you for sort of getting <laughs> me on Mike O'Brien's radar, which is how I happen to be, uh, be asked to come in for season three, which was a great pleasure for me because I'd already been a, a fan of the show for, for the first two seasons. And then to, to get to come and work on it for season three was, was just great. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's so That's cool. That's awesome. 
Now moving into AP Bio, sure, season yeah. three. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned this about how Mike Schur kind of introduced you to Mike, and that's kind of how you got mm-hmm. onto the show. Yes, I, I only work for people named Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that is the golden rule. Um, how yeah. did it feel coming in as a new writer to AP Bio in its third season? Uh, you know, I was a little nervous at first, just because, you know, anytime you're going into a new situation, you don't necessarily know what you're getting into. But I... I'd met with Mike O'Brien ahead of time, obviously, and he was so cool. And everything that he told me about how he wanted to run the show and what he wanted to do in the third season was so exciting. Like, I told him how much I liked the episode Wednesday morning, 8 a.m. And he said, like, yeah, we want to do more things like that, where we experiment with the form and experiment with sort of different kinds of storytelling. And I said, great, you know, please sign me up for that. And then when I finally got into the room, you know, they had sort of... Uh, they'd lost some people in between season two and three. And so there were a lot of new people, at, uh, you know, starting at the same time as me. So I didn't feel like I was, you know, the the only one uh, getting up to speed. Um, but the people who had been there throughout were so welcoming and, and the new people were, were so fun to work with. It was just a, it was a great experience uh, overall. Um, really, really fun, really collaborative. And um, yeah, I hope, I hope they uh, give us a chance to do some more because I'd love to do it again. So, Let's actually get into this episode, 303, Gary Meets Dave. So could you tell us a little bit more about how this story first started taking shape? So the the sort of idea of the sort of, you know, uh, format idea of Gary Meets Dave was something that we started talking about pretty early in the season, uh, close to the beginning. I don't even remember exactly when it first came up or whose idea it originally was, but we knew that we had to do some real previously ons for the the episode about Helen being in Jack's class and for the idea of Sarika's aunt uh, and the book contract. And so then I think that sort of uh, morphed into the idea of this episode that had tons of fake previously ons um, and a really <laughs> uh, condensed, you know, quote unquote episode uh, in the middle. Um, and so the, after we had that sort of idea in place for the format, um, it was just fun to brainstorm all sorts of crazy things. With the the cast of this show is so great. All all of you guys in the classroom are great. All of the minor characters throughout the school are great. And so we just wanted to try to do instead of having like an A story and a B story or an A story and a B story and a C story, like can we go all the way to like a G story? Like how many different <laughs> yes. how many different things can we have going on at once and still have it have it make sense? And uh and so we just, you know, tried to tried to find uh you know little little moments for everybody and th- and that was a lot of fun. And and that's honestly probably my favorite thing about this episode is that it really showcases everyone and I honestly don't know how you you did it. I mean the first 10 minutes are brilliant and the way that everyone sort of has this moment and it's all tracked perfectly and then it all comes together with this sort of like big dramatic moment and then you know we we go into the theme song it it's so perfect so i guess like from your end or the room's end like how were you able to sort of break down everyone's story from a through g or whatever and 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 track all of that and make sure it was all consistent in the episode it that was interesting like in some ways it was a very easy episode to write because uh there was so much going on and you could always, you know, f- find a place for jokes and things like that. And in some way it was, it was very complicated just because the, 
the it was like doing a giant sudoku or something where it's like if this goes here then this has to go here and if this is happening at this time mm. then this also happen has to happen at this time so uh it was really you know it was a challenge more from the sort of like writer producer standpoint than from the sort of like straight comedy uh standpoint and while i'm talking about that sort of difficulty aspect of it i should really give a shout out to uh the director richie keen and the first ad max day who we we had a lot of meetings back and forth with them in in pre-production about like can we actually do this you know are we able in the four and a half days we have to shoot this or whatever it is are we able to actually get shot all the scenes that we need um because uh you know a normal episode might have 25 scenes 30 scenes tops and the the table read version of this script i think had 63 scenes <laughs> and some of those came out and some of those got combined but i know that at one point you know, this this episode had over 60 scenes which is just that's insane, insane. and yeah and richie and max kept, kept coming back to us and saying like we can't do this and I'm like, but we have to we have to <laughs> oh my gosh i love that and and to their credit they figured out a way to do it and, and so you know big big ups to those guys for for making it work we do love how Gary Meets Dave is the title of, of the episode, and yet it is the smallest big event that yeah. happens in, right. in all these yeah. stories. Yeah. For, for a long time, I think maybe even up through the table read, it was just called Previously On. And oh. then we got a little bit worried that, like, because it's on a streaming service and you can actually see the titles of things in the way that you maybe didn't used to get to see the titles of things, like, w- would that be a spoiler? Would people go into it knowing what's oh, going to wow. happen? Yeah. And so we talked for a long time about different titles for it. And I think it was me who suggested like, oh, we should call it G- Gary Meets Dave because that's the smallest, least consequential <laughs> thing that happens in this entire episode. So that should get the title. Uh, uh, and that's what it was. Yeah. That actual storyline is is lightly based on my real life or on Dave's real life. David Neer, who plays Geology Dave, and I, <laughs> and is also a writer on the show. He and I had a weird sort of, the not i guess you would say enemies or nemesis relationship in the room it was a joke and at least i hope it was a joke i thought it was a joke um but so the way that it started was that one time after we had both left work and i guess we live relatively close to each other he pulled up in his car next to me at a stoplight and he says that he waved to me and that i <laughs> noticed him but kept looking straight ahead and didn't wave back and I was like, and he told me that the next day. And I said, what on earth are you talking about? Like, I never saw you. Of course, if I saw you, I would wave back. Um, but it sort of then turned into this sort of like joke relationship where we were, uh, you know, enemies. And that we sort of turned that story into the story of uh, Coin Club Gary and Geology Dave, you know, meeting, meeting nicely. And then uh, Dave being extremely upset to have his... Uh, <laughs> Have his greeting rebuffed uh, later in the teacher's lounge. So that is, uh, you know, you can maybe ask David Neer about that sometime. That is, that is based. I on would real, love to ask David. Based Neer. on real life, yeah. Get his take on it. Hi, this is David Neer. Um, okay, so this is what actually happened. I was getting off the highway, and I noticed that Dan was getting off the highway at the exact same time, and I thought, oh, it would be funny if I drive right alongside of him and I I started waving and I'm like Dan it's me you know uh and this it goes on for like way too long it's like 30 seconds I'm like 
come on, you got to see me, you got to see me. And I swear he sees me out of the corner of his eyes and he does nothing. He just looks forward and I'm like, there is no way he is not seeing me right now. I'm waving frantically, Dan, Dan. And the only thing I can think is that he thinks I'm a crazy person. And if he gives me any attention, then that'll just encourage me and I'll like do something totally insane. Either that or he's mad at me and uh, he doesn't feel like saying hi. And so that's kind of, I guess, exactly what happened. Whatever Dan says is <laughs> bull cronky. And he uh, is rude and he screwed me. Yeah. It's also fun to like get to see some sort of different character pairings than you normally get to see. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you might see Coach in a scene with Jack or you might see Dale in a scene with Durbin. But then to see like Coach and Dale off <laughs> on this story together, it's like, oh, yeah, those guys, you know, those guys have jobs and lives when they're not on in the so scene. or like. Funny. Yeah, or like Lynette and Joyce in the office. They're office mates. They're they're there all the time, even when Jack isn't coming in to see them. <laughs> so it's you know it's it's fun to see it's and you know Jamie Moyer and Liz Alderfer are such funny actors. Uh, it's fun to see them get a little you know it's not a big story, but it's a, fun to see them have a story that's all their own. And yeah. a pairing we will always push for more of is Anthony and Grace because <laughs> Sari and I always. will never get tired of each other. Yes, and absolutely. you guys gave us some Stars amazing moments this, <laughs> this season. But our school play, again, All I really have to wrap my brain around how that happened the same episode. There was also a fake drug bust because yeah. <laughs> it just seems like that should be five episodes of television, not one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Sari and I had the best time um, doing our yeah. school play and, and being able to do that with the teachers as well. We never, we feel like we always want more time with um, the three with teachers MSM. and yeah. to be able to share that with them was so much fun. So thank you for that. As of course, well. of course. Um, yeah, that, that was, that was so fun to like, on that day on set, like I hadn't seen this, the set of the set of the stage <laughs> yeah. play and yeah. just like walking in there and seeing it and realizing like, oh, I'm going to see an insane high school play today. Like, that, <laughs> right. was just, that was a super and fun. They, they built that set for everyone listening. They built that set literally. And then next door they had built the set where Patton is giving – um, yeah, the, yeah, like eulogy. Yes, it was yeah. Yeah, right it. next to each other on the same soundstage. And again, in the actual final cut of the episode, it's probably under 60 seconds, the, all these sequences. <laughs> yeah. And it just shows how yeah. jam packed this episode was. And so many people did so much work that's on the screen for like 10 seconds or 15 seconds. Right. But and it's I, worth I it. you know, as an actor, like I, you know, see myself in every episode. So I'm like, I know I'm there. But for some of these other, you know, crew members, it's like they put so much much into like a second on screen and it just yeah we have to shout them out because they did that <laughs> that stage was legit i had so yeah. much fun oh it was amazing <laughs> the wardrobe oh, that week yeah, was yeah. awesome grace had a great time i must say yeah um, msm in the in the penguin costumes yeah. with Hawaiian shirts so yeah. oh i just gosh. remember being on like set and we were just all dying like looking at each other because <laughs> like the ridiculousness yeah, like are, of it and i remember what are we doing again yeah, yeah and i remember for our curtain call like all the background um actors in the play as well when we were holding hands and bowing i was like holding hands with someone in a globe 
<laughs> I just like looked at them. I was like dying of laughter because this is. It was just such a fun, fun moment. I feel like that curtain call for some reason was tricky. I felt like we all couldn't bow together oh, for yeah. some reason. Like very challenging. I think it was me and Sari were splitting center, and like Richie was like, "Okay, you guys look, and then you put your arms up and bow." And we just couldn't do it together. We well, really several people. Like I think the I think the globe had no eye holes. <laughs> So I think there were several, I think there were several people them. who had no, no idea what was going on. Yeah, yeah. It, that bow was complicated. And I think yeah. it was towards the end of the day. And, you know, everyone, like, wants to go home at that point. And I was like, okay, guys, we got to get it together. got to get this be able bow. To bow. Um, because this should not be the hardest part of our day. Oh, that's um, so good. So moving on to, I mean, we kind of touched upon this, but bring it back. What were some of the challenges with getting the tone right for this sort of episode? Well, I, I mean, I said to, I shouted out Richie Keen and Max Day, this, this episode was extra hard because not only was it a crazy episode on its own, but we shot it in a block with that, that, that. So yes. not only were we doing like one ambitious episode, we were doing two ambitious episodes at the same time and sometimes, you know, doing scenes from both in the same day. So uh, so there, I really give both of them a lot of credit for for keeping track of what we needed to be needed to be doing at at, uh, at any moment. And um, it was, uh, you know, it, the main thing for this was just pre-planning, like in pre-production and in writing, just like making sure we knew what we needed, that it was on the page and that nobody was going to forget and like, you know, uh, have someone in the wrong costume for the wrong day or have someone in the, in a scene that they weren't supposed to be in or something like that. So it was mostly just, we have to do as much planning as we can ahead of time to make sure that we get this exactly right. Cause on the day it was going to be, going to be hectic. Yeah. 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 I mean, we love Richie. He's the best. I don't think we were aware, like, go, like, thinking about it now, I just do not feel like, like, I knew this was a really special episode and it was, like, really fun, but I don't think I was aware how, like, hectic it was for, like, you guys, you know, yeah. having to pre-plan and sure. get all together. I was like, oh, I'm going to show up. And, like, I knew, like, for us tonally, like, one of my favorite moments was when, you know, Victor, like, slams the, you know, what we think is cocaine on the desk. And we had to, like, be really dramatic and like, look around. <laughs> and yes. that's when Glenn was like, Eddie, you should pull out your inhaler. And yeah. it was, like, so fun. And I was like, oh, like, playing up that melodrama was yeah. so fun because it's not what we normally do right um, this is like the most whitlock has ever been like riverdale yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> like give us more of that i yeah. want to be melodramatic come on um and then but that was it. such a highlight yeah. for me and then to like see it all come together with the split screen i mean it's even better than i ever could have imagined because it just looks so brilliant but you know looking back at the episode is there a joke or a particular moment that you're just like oh that's good like that really gets me <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like because we spent so much time thinking about it, you get sort of close to it and you know, there might be things that were funny to you the first time you saw them, but after you think about them, you know, for so many hours they maybe stop being so funny. <laughs> like, I was just I mostly like I was 95% that the episode would like cut together and work, but you know, you know, maybe 98 even, but there was always like a tiny uh voice in the back of my head that was like we might get into the editing uh, Bay and decide that this just doesn't work at all. So mostly I was just, upon finally seeing it, I was just relieved. 
that like and, it, that it is that it works as an episode of television. So. And our editor Colin, um, he turned it out because the yeah. editing just matches the tone and the pace so perfectly. He so did a great shout job. out to him. Yeah. And let's hear more from our editor who can give us a little more insight into the post-production of this episode. Hello, my name is Colin Johnson and I'm an editor on AP Bio. So there were there were some challenges, of course, uh, working on an episode like um, Gary Meets Dave, mostly uh, because, you know, we're presenting a previously on that is not previously on. You know, we're uh, revisiting scenes that have never taken place. So um, to quickly get the context of the joke across is key. You want to both get the audience confused, but we also, uh, we don't want to have too much time for them to be confused or they'll miss important setups that'll be to jokes later in the episode. We try to structure out uh, each story, uh, the increasing levels of tension and comedy with uh, like a corresponding score. And the uh, composer Jeff Cardoni did an amazing job with the music. And, and we wanted to stretch the time between them a little bit, each vignette, so that, you know, the more and more characters are slowly woven into this chaotic web and the stakes keep getting raised and the tension mounts and you almost forget that you're still in these previously on segments. So to wrap this up, we have a one last sure. question for you. So if we were to get a season four, is there a specific storyline or idea between specific characters that you think you'd like to focus on in the writer's room? That's interesting. Like, I mean, as I said, one of the things that was so great about this episode was was getting to use so much of the cast and and getting to use so many of the people who maybe don't uh, get their own stories. And I like doing that, but there's a little bit of danger in that. Like, you can keep building out the world forever, and then, like, you know, if, <laughs> you know, if Jack's not in the episode, like, what are you doing? Um, but, uh, uh, but, but, you know, but so many of those side characters are so, like, like Michelle's husband. I think is fascinating. Yes. Geology Dave, I think is is fascinating. Um, you know, there's, I I love all these uh, small characters that are like so sharply drawn like they might have one or two lines in an episode but like you know exactly who they are like that's a really mm. that's a those are fun characters to write for because you know you just you think of a joke and you know exactly whose voice it's in so those those are always fun um but mostly i just uh i, I would like to see more stories that involve like sort of subsets of the class where it's not like the whole class operating as a block where it's like you get a little more of a, you know of an idea of the you know high schoolers have weird relationships and yeah. seeing a little bit more of that sort of like uh, those interactions between the students, not just the students and Jack. Yeah. Oh, uh, I love that. Because you guys are all so good. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, you yeah. know, right away, get us. Yeah, us let us know when you stuff. need more Grace and Anthony. Always here for you. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, and we um, so. we really hope that we get to do some more of this. Well, Dan. It was so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. My pleasure. Um, and we'll talk to you soon. I hope so. <laughs> Always great to talk to you guys. Roll call, please. Time for another roll call. We couldn't be happier to welcome Aparna Brielle for this week's student segment. 
Take it away, Aparna. In the meantime, I'm going to go listen to some Queen now. Hi, my name is Aparna Brielle, and I play Sarika Sarkar, and I'm going to be interviewing myself. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Um, it's a very small town, and it's very quirky, and it's very obsessed with the fact that it's quirky, and that's all I can really tell you. What high school did you go to? I actually went to a couple. I went to a Catholic school until 10th grade, and I'd been going there since fourth grade. And honestly, I don't think that was the right fit for me. Um, and then I transferred to an art school for my last two years. So I had both extremes at once. It was, it was kind of the most insane four years of my life. <laughs> if I could create a new AP course in anything, what would it be? I would probably create an AP course in weird history, like unsolved mysteries or weird murders or like just like weird, quirky, offbeat stuff that nobody really wants to know except for a select group of people on the internet. Does working on AP Bio make you miss high school more or less? Why? It kind of makes me miss it. Uh, like I miss the aesthetic of it. I miss seeing friends in school and people doing all kinds of weird things and everyone sees it at once. Like there's no, um, did you hear, did you, I mean, there is a, did you hear about it, but everyone's there. But what I don't miss is, uh, being very unconfident. And I think that's something that I like that adulthood has given me is my confidence. And like, I don't really want to go back to that level of insecurity, (laughs) you know? Favorite Queen song of all time. I can only pick one. Oh, oh no. Okay. Um, <laughs> this, this is hard. <laughs> I'll go with somebody to love. I think that's a classic. That was really hard. That was a very hard question. Oh, again. Okay. Favorite Rolling Stones song of all time. Again, you can only pick one. This changes all the time. I think right now it's Honky Tonk Women. <laughs> now out of those two, which is the better song? Oh, you guys are putting me in a spot right now. This is so rude. I feel so attacked. Um, I'll go with somebody to love just because I love that one longer. If someone wants to slide into your DMs, which they know ahead of time, um, I accept Venmo, Zelle, and most forms of payment. But I also will probably not respond to your DM. <laughs> I'm kidding. I would, I would probably not respond. I don't respond to most DMs that I get. Um, if you could live in any decade, what would it be? These are some hard questions for me. I think, I think probably the seventies though. I don't think I would really survive the fifties or something. I mean, the aesthetic is cute, but let's be honest. I'm not white. It's not going to go well. (laughs) Sarika tries horse meat in this episode. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Well, I am vegetarian. So the level of crazy is not quite as out there as it is for some people. But uh, I've tried ghost peppers before. And as much as I love spice, I will say I barely survived that experience. In fact, I'm kind of a shell of my former self. What is your typical mood at 6 a.m. on set? that depends. Most of the time I'm just dead. And if anyone talks to me, I'm just going to side eye them. Not because I'm trying to be rude, but my resting bitch face is at like a 10. (laughs) Um, but if I've had some caffeine, I'll probably be very talkative for like 10 minutes until it crashes again. 
Favorite scene you ever shot of AP Bio? I have a couple. Um, one of them, I this it's not even a scene, it's the whole episode, but I really love the school break-in that I did with um, a bunch of the students. Both the part where I break Jack's desk, but also the jousting with people. That was actually very fun. And uh, God, it's hard because I feel like we really got to do a lot of antics in the last two seasons. But the other one, I really loved the talent show, the really crazy dance that we all did. I thought that was so fun. What current fashion trend are you the most into right now? Honestly, because of COVID, I don't really know truly what's in fashion right now. But one thing I've been seeing everywhere that I'm kind of into is like those milkmaid tops with like the really puffy sleeves. Because I feel like that's super timeless. And so I can make it look like any decade or any mood, you know. What are the last five emojis you used in your phone? Let's find out. I used the skull emoji, the clown emoji, (laughs) the cheese emoji the lollipop emoji and like the almost crying emoji where the eyes are really big and really cute and they're like watery. Those are the last five I used. When was the last time you took a big risk? Uh, Every day of this pandemic that I choose to step outside of my home, (laughs) I think. So yeah. What is your favorite literary character of all time? You know, I always, I will always, always, always have a soft spot for Hermione Granger. In fact, I even based Sarika off of Hermione Granger because that's who I wanted to be when I was a kid. So I used to dress up and play that and I just love Hermione. So what would your dream photo shoot consist of? I've already done a couple of those. One with Sari and Allison, which was, that was a dream photo shoot. And I did another one that was kind of, uh, that was 40s inspired. But I don't know. I like anything where I get to... I like get whimsical and, you know, go into another place. It's just like acting. It's like anything where you get to like dress up and turn into something else is really fun. What is your favorite thing about Sarika Sarkar? I love that she is so damn ambitious and she is very cutthroat about it. And I do try to be like her, but I don't think I'm ever going to be at her level. (laughs) What is your least favorite thing about Sarika Sarkar? You know what? While I do completely love her as she is as a character, I think as far as hanging with her goes, I would want her to be a little bit more chill. Like I'm going to need her to take it down at least a few notches for me personally. <laughs> what is the most important quality you look for in a friend? Loyalty. And of, I think loyalty and there's everything else you can kind of figure out with each friendship, but loyalty. What keeps you creative these days? Uh, Well, I recently moved, so that's been a pretty nice thing during the pandemic in some ways because my home has turned into a great, massive DIY project. So that's been what's been keeping me creative. That and watching really cool like shows or reading really, really great books that take me out into another place. They make me want to do all kinds of creative things. Jacob Manown wants you to tell us about your new podcast. Oh my gosh. Yes, I get to plug it. Uh, It's called Swiss and Lolly Hijack Hollywood. Uh, It's an audio fiction podcast, actually. So it's not like what we're doing here. And it's not like the AP Bio podcast, but it's uh, like a radio play almost. Um, But it's all comedic. And it follows these two LA slackers who somehow accidentally end up becoming con artists. All while they're trying to um, give up the hustle and retire young at a Malibu dream house. Like they have no intention of becoming like an actor or anything. They just want money. 
and to retire young. And it's a really fun podcast with all kinds of colorful characters. Uh, Eddie Levy, you play one. And uh, Jacob Houston plays another. So some familiar names and voices for you. But yeah. What question would you like to ask our next guest, Nick Pine? My question for you, Nick, is what exactly have you been doing this whole time outside of perhaps sitting on your couch now that you have one? (laughs) What is your message for the next generation? Keep being vocal. I love how vocal everybody is about things they're passionate about. And I think that's how it should be. And I think that's how it should continue to be. And I'm very inspired by all of you. Oh, Aparna, who would have thought that meeting on set three years ago would have led to this friendship? You are incredible, such a go-getter. And honestly, I always try to be more like you. I actually call Aparna my barracuda because she is someone that knows what she wants and is not scared to go after it. I have so much respect for her and she is one of the biggest advocates for all of us on set. Aparna, you're the best. We love you. And that's AP Bio, the podcast. Thank you so much to our producer, Katie, and our sound engineer, Trey, for making this episode happen. And thank you to Dan Schofield and Aparna Brielle for being our special guests on the episode. Be sure to tune in next week where we discuss episode 304, Get Hoppy. I think you'll like our special guest. Be sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast for some extra credit. And definitely check out AP Bio Season 3, only on Peacock. Thank you. Bye. On the next AP Bio, the podcast. I remember the first time I did it uh, was uh, two seasons ago or whatever, or was it last season on Sunny? Um, no, it was last season, Sunny. We've done so many damn seasons of that show.